welcome to Super Saturdays, a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Batman. I mean, I'm Damon A. <laughs> and I'm Jay Hayward. And I don't know what just happened, <laughs> but I do know that here on the show, we do talk about your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. And join us, Soups, through this story of wonder, whimsy, and danger, as we'll be traveling through all space and time with the Cape Crusader himself, Batman, as Damon and I talk about Batman Universe, written by one of the best writers in modern comic history, Brian Michael Bendis, and illustrated by Nick Darrington. Where will we go? Who will we meet? Find out now. On with the show. <laughs> okay, so, you know, since our last episode was a Guardians draft, my question for you, Jay, before we get into this is... Did you go see the new movie? I have not. The plan was to go directly after, but it was my buddy Dominic's 21st birthday. So we had ended up going bar hopping for a little while. Okay, and, okay. Uh, I did not get to go see the movie because they picked me up right before I was going to go get a ticket. But I had it planned out. I had a nice outfit prepared for it. Ooh. But then they snatched me up too early. But I planned to go. Uh, probably by this time the episode has gone out, I'll probably have seen it. So maybe Editor Jay will tell you something about it. If so, it'll be right here. And if not, it'll just be pretty awkward. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a really good movie. I recommend you see it. Hey, I haven't seen it yet either. And, you know, I'm planning on probably seeing it this week or whenever Damon gets paid because I'm broke out here in these streets. But, you know, I really am looking forward to it. I heard a lot of good things. I know that Cam commented on our YouTube uh, version of the episode, and he said it's one oh of the best. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, he said it's one of the best uh, MCU movies and best uh, Guardians movies. And also, Soups, we're introducing our very own soundboard so you're gonna hear some interesting sounds throughout this episode <laughs> i let howard the duck handle the soundboard isn't that right howard <laughs> uh, no actually it's our uh our mascot uh daenerys she's like really rocking on that uh soundboard yeah daenerys is really rocking back there how you doing daenerys daenerys can you let us know how you're doing okay all right thank you daenerys Thank you. She she's just a great sound engineer. Like seriously, honestly, Jay, she might be coming for your job as the editor. As the editor, fine, yeah. take it. Oh my goodness, free up my week. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> she, hey, hey, and then she probably might even start doing our social media. Might take my job too. Who knows? It's just gonna be Daenerys doing the entire show. One hundred percent. It's gonna be uh, a one woman cat show. So. What is um like that? What is that one guy's name that's on YouTube? Variant Comics is that his name? Yeah. The comic variant, something like that. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> He's going to have to watch out after us. Okay. All right. So, uh, Batman also, Universe. Oh, I was just oh, going to no, go say ahead. also, over here in the U.S., we had Free Comic Book Day this last Saturday. We didn't yes. really talk about it very much last week. So, happy belated. It's been a week since Free Comic Book Day. Let us know in the comics. Did you guys participate? What comics did you guys get? I got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I got, like, a couple other things. Uh, oh, I should have grabbed... No, I didn't end up grabbing Spider-Man and Venom, but I know a lot of other people did. You um, lucky bitch, because, honestly, I missed out on Sweet Comic Book Day, but went the day after, and I just grabbed the last pickings of, like, things people didn't grab. I got some c cool things. I got, like, this uh, spinoff issue from uh, Something's Killing the Children, and then I got uh, Power Rangers Academy and a couple of different shit um on power rangers academy that's one i got too yeah yeah i didn't read it yet but i made a tiktok about the ones i got so follow us on our socials guys yeah um, you gotta check it out exactly but 
Today's episode, we're talking about Batman Universe. It came out in 2019, and the Collected Edition came out in 2020. Jay, would you happen to know what was happening in the comic book world when this book came out? Yeah. So, while you were enjoying the first issue of Batman Universe, you could also go and get excited to go see Spider-Man Far From Home in theaters. And maybe, you know, let's say that that comic wasn't really satiating your hunger. You know, maybe you wanted a bit more. And that's fair, you know, with just one issue coming out at a time. There was also a first issue coming out in late July of 2019. One that I think Damon would really like. It's Archie versus Predator 2. Oh, I forgot all about that. Wow. I you know, I really dig some Archie and I like how Archie is just being one becoming one of those books where just wacky random ass shit happens. And I appreciate Riverdale for like doing that type of shit. Yeah, people like make jokes about Riverdale, but like after those first couple of seasons they were just like, you know what, we're just gonna do random shit each season. Let's do it. So nothing to knock him for it. I just found out that the show Riverdale is still going. Yeah, it's ending this year. I can't believe that it's lasted this long. Me neither. Like, I dropped off after season two. And every now and then it feels like everyone always talks about it, like, ever, like about some, like, cringy shit that comes out from it. And uh, I don't know. I got to say, though, Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was pretty good, though. Like, that shit was fucking awesome on Netflix. The only bit of Riverdale trivia that I have is that I know that one of the writers was known for her fan fiction her supernatural fan fiction with dean and Cass. what and this was when the actor for dean made it very clear that he was like against the shipping culture so i can't remember what happened what dispute happened in between her in particular and cw and with dean and with supernatural and stuff but that eventually ended up with her getting part of the writing staff for riverdale and uh, I can't really say here or there if those episodes are good because I don't know the show. But from what I hear about the show, you know, I'm sure it's a hell of a ride. I'm sure everyone a part of it is very proud of it. And I'm sure that they're all enjoying every uh, every part of it, especially Cole Sprouse. I'm sure. Um, you know something? It's funny you mentioned that because that, yeah, that just reminded me. That the head, like, showrunner for Riverdale and also the president of Archie Comics, uh, Roberto Aguera Sicasa or Sicara, I forgot how to pronounce his last name, but uh, he's he's a huge Archie fan. He, you know, he revitalized Archie and everything like that with Afterlife with Archie and all other type of shit. But it's funny that, like, he first got his start because he was almost going to get sued by Archie Comics for making this off-Broadway off play about Archie being secretly gay. What? Yeah, it was like a it was like fan fiction and shit. Was it like a like a uh dog meets god kind of thing? Like like a Charlie Brown? Yeah, a little bit. It was like kind of like Brown. that, yeah. It was okay. supposed to be like kind of like a parody of like the entire like Archie stuff. And he ended up like becoming like the president of Archie Comics and everything over some time. But he also was like a really like he had, a, he had, like, some seasoned stuff. He was seasoned. He had, like, a whole combo career. Okay. He even wrote Fantastic Four a couple of times, too. Oh, cool. All yeah. right. Yeah. What about you, then, Damon? What do you know about the comic book world 2019 when Batman Universe was hitting the bookstore scene? Well, you know comic what? bookstore scene. I was going to save this fact until later on, but... Well, hold on. Do you, do you think that that fact will keep the viewers here till the end to find out? You think it's that juicy? I mean, maybe, possibly, potentially. Maybe, maybe, possibly. Potentially. Should we hold it? Okay, cool. Yeah, possibly. See if I, people really want it? Okay. Maybe, maybe. All right. All right, then I got a second fact. Another fact I would okay. say is Superman Up in the Sky by Tom King comes out the same year as Batman Universe. Actually, comes out at the same time. I know you're dying to do it. I know you're itching. Tell us the story here. Tom King, Brian Michael Bendis. What's the story? How do we get Brian Michael Bendis here on Batman? How do we get King over onto Superman? Because originally they're they're doing opposite stuff, correct? Yep. They just thought it would be cool. Um, and DC Comics has a deal with Walmart at the time. 
And uh, their whole deal was that they wanted to introduce comics being sold in like a big store and everything. So they made like this uh, magazine that had random issues from like reprints of Batman stuff in there and same with Superman. But they wanted new comics that would be exclusively for Walmart. So they thought it'd be cool if they swapped places and they put both of those books and people didn't expect those books to be really good. Why do you think that, especially with... You know, the writers that are on here, they were currently the writers for like the mainline Batman and Superman for DC. What made people so worried about them, you think? I think it was because uh, these books were made with having kids in mind. Hmm. Like they thought it would have been just like they would have just half assed it. And this would have been just something that is just to give kids or whatever. I think the fact that they had like their two mainstream writers working on it, that's what got a lot more intrigue. But like, I think. Like, those two books, I honestly feel like they're a little slept on. I would say so. I think mainly because of the um, pandemic kind of um, overshadowed it. So That's fair. That's totally fair. Because when near the end of these stories or around the time these stories were wrapping up, because they had, like, brief little arcs, was when COVID happened. Like, right around that cusp over here in the United States when it started to really lock down and become like a serious problem. I I know I didn't hear very much about universe. I had heard about, it was up in the, up and away. Uh, Up up in the sky. sky, Yeah. Up in the sky. I've heard about up in the sky. You've brought it up to me a couple of times in the past. I think I even remember seeing it at Walmart. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Batman universe, I, I didn't really, you know, I have no idea. Uh, Maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit here, but with my introduction to this kind of wraps in, you know, I would not have believed that this was meant for children outright. I mean, it could definitely be read by one for sure. It's not like things are very insane in this story per se, but it gets really like out there. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what, what since you, since you're like touching on that, let's just, let's dive in. Okay. That was really delayed. <laughs> I thought you were going to do it. So no, I, I didn't have it opened up. I, you were just doing them. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I thought you were going to do it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Both. Get them both. We're, we're going to fix that in post. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Damon. This is Editor Jay here saying that that was just too funny to cut out. Okay, you know, um, no, back to what you're saying, though, Jay. I got to say, first introductions to this, first opinions on this, you're absolutely right. I don't think this, honestly, this book, you know, you wouldn't have seen it as a children's book, but, like, there's no cursing, there's no vulgarity in it, there's nothing, like, adult, but it's, like, it's very sophisticated with the writing, and I'd say it's a little, like, complex in some areas, but it's oh, really, yeah. really good. Very snappy writing. And uh, my big question I want to ask you, though, since this character is a big character in this book, is what was your first introduction to the Riddler? <laughs> Dude, okay. I was wondering what your question was going to be because I know we've asked, you know, our first introduction to Batman. And we've talked a bit about uh, Joker back during Laughing Fish. So I was like, what? Is he going to ask me about Savage? <laughs> I know nothing about Savage. I know nothing really about the green lantern i don't know jonah hex which yeah soups all of this stuff in this comic for kids but they give you uh, a lot I've, of backstory though like there's so much dude and yeah, it just seamlessly no, like, is in there you just get it really honestly funny enough really great way to get someone i think into the idea of comics this but i'm getting ahead of myself we'll get to that my first introduction to the riddler uh was kind of around the same time when i was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Around the first time when I was getting a bigger introduction into Batman was around the time when I had found the Michael Keaton movies, around the same time when I had found the Adam West show, or a little bit after when I had watched a bit. Probably, actually, might have seen the Riddler in that show first before the movie, but the character that has left a very long-lasting like imprint on me has been the Riddler, has been Jim Carrey's Riddler, more specifically, yeah, from Batman Forever. There was something about the way how we played it. Yeah, it's a little goofy, yeah, it's a little bit corny. But, I mean, when you really think about it, 
Riddler doesn't get a whole lot of different personality traits in a lot of the stories. He kind of has one framework that a lot of writers that I've noticed, because I've seen a couple little Riddler things here and there, and I don't think they use him as like a really huge character. Maybe they do in other stories. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. We'll find out with the show, right? <laughs> but especially with this comic, you know, he it doesn't feel as though he's a, a major deal. And even when he does, it doesn't feel as though he really fits himself as the character. Hell, even Batman brings us up during the story, you know, that he's acting so weird. Again, Batman was okay. just going in on him. And I loved it. Like, Batman was just talking that shit about Riddler, and it was fucking hilarious. Oh, so, God. I would say even then, even though it was goofy, it gave a really fun personality, and it gave the idea of what the Riddler as a character really just was in it, by the soul of it, right? The the riddles and, and the traps and the trying to toy with Batman and the superiority complex stuff. I thought Jim Carrey just did fantastically in that movie but recently i just started looking at we had talked about it a long while ago but there was like a particular edit of batman forever yeah yeah, and i'd given that a watch and i don't dislike it but there's not a lot of huge differences in between the two that really distinguish the character differently for me for those who who know about that there's like some uh, I forget the name of the cut that they have for it, but there is like a, a secret, like extended, re-edited cut of Batman Forever. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like what the original edit was supposed to be, and then they changed it to what this was. I can't remember that, or if this was a remake, whatever. I think it was, um, uh, the one that we found was like a fan edit that was very similar to like, some of the stuff that was going to be in there. And I think he used mm. maybe some deleted scenes, but like there's a lot more footage that like Joel Schumacher wasn't able to put in that movie. Cause apparently from what I found out, the movie was supposed to be a lot more serious and be more of like a character study of Bruce Wayne, which I can totally get that idea from Batman forever, but it, yeah, no, I don't think it would really hit, but at least with the, the edit that we have now, you know, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, that's my introduction to the Riddler. What about you, Damon? How do you know Edward Nigma? Honestly, it was Batman Forever. I remember my cousin yeah. had like the freaking VHS tapes for all the Batman movies, and I watched Batman Forever. I did not like Batman Forever when I was a kid. I thought it was boring. Um, boring? Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it more as an adult, but like when I was younger, I thought it was just weird. And I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Uh, Fair enough. I will do remember also getting the '60s Batman movie, and I was loving the Riddler in that. Fred Gorshin, um, Frank Gorshin, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say I liked the Riddler in that. And then my next first appearance, like first impression, I guess introduction, was uh, the Batman animated series where they made the Riddler creepy as hell. See, I don't know a whole lot about him in the animated series. He's actually one of the characters I've watched like the least amount of episodes on, but I think he only has like two. Um, in anyway. the Batman or like the animated series? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the animated series. Yeah. In the animated series, he's voiced by, uh, shit, I forgot his name, but he's the guy who played the mad scientist in Batman and Robin. He played, oh. uh, Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville. He played Dr. Savannah's dad in Shazam, and he's done a lot of other shit. Let, let me say then, though, for the Batman, probably one of the more underrated shows now from yeah. Batman's book. I don't hear a lot of people talk about those iterations of characters anymore. I think that show is like kind of like at first, it's one of those things where people didn't really care for it. But then after like giving it some time, it kind of grew on them. I think I'm the same way, but I really dug that show for the, just the vibes and it showed a younger Batman, but it showed like cool reimaginations of the character. And that show was really dark in some areas. Like I'm thinking about that Dracula versus Batman movie. That movie scared me when I was a kid. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. that was wild. Of a film. I watched it during this Halloween. It creeped. It, it still was kind of creepy. Like it was. It was decent, but it really was kind of creepy. What was Riddler what like in that show? I don't recall. I I remember there's like one episode oh. where him and he's lanky. Batman are stuck in like a like a. I can't even remember what it was. They're like trapped in some room together. Yeah, he just talks about the whole episode. He's lanky and he has really long hair. 
Um, and his voice is kind of creepy, and I'm pretty sure um, he's like a little bit more sadistic, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I, I just remember his character design and just his character in general just creeped me out in that show. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's my introduction to the Riddler. I'd say another story that I read with him was Hush. And something that I noticed is that like a lot of writers that write Batman, they really don't want to write the Riddler because they then have to be smart and have to think about, okay, how do we do this and do that without having to retread shit? How do we come up with different riddles? And you could honestly tell that Brian Michael Bendis was like, okay, I don't have the time or do I feel like writing a whole Riddler mastermind type of thing? So we're going to make this MacGuffin make him stupid. So... How about how about we talk about him for a second then, huh? Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, what's my his gosh. story, huh? Because he is, I've did a little bit of of research on him since then, and man, he is like, like the guy. Like he was everywhere. Yeah, primarily his biggest thing was uh, Marvel. Um, he was working on Ultimate Spider-Man, Jessica Jones, and a lot of different things. And he worked on Marvel Knights. Like, Brian Michael Bendis, he has a whole-ass portfolio, a whole great-ass resume. And I love his uh, work. I love his Ultimate Spider-Man work. I even enjoy his Daredevil stuff, too. And uh, this, he's really good with, like, writing street-level characters and just characters that are, like, people. And he really that really shines through with this book and everything. And uh, primarily, I was surprised that the dialogue wasn't so wordy. It was very snappy very snappy yeah and uh yeah that's my thoughts on that what what do you think about brian mcwendis oh dude writer on this not only just with ultimate spider-man you know because i you know i love ultimate spider-man thanks to you damon had showed me ultimate spider-man back in high school and i fell in love with it and kind of in a, in a in a way i would say kind of some of the building blocks to what has brought us to the show mm. honestly comics like that but i know he's also worked in the early 90s on the original guardians of the galaxy just want to throw that out there since we are around the time when the film's been out been out for about a week and has already made a lot of money i cannot believe i haven't seen it yet but joe you just stumped me i had no idea that was a thing wow i had no idea he was working on that yeah really yeah no no i did not oh my gosh um well Wow, I I know he's he's also done a lot of work with Superman, like we had said earlier. Yeah, that's his recent the, work. Yeah, that is his more recent stuff. When he moved from Marvel to DC, which really grabbed people by surprise because he really did have a great position at Marvel. Bendis is coming. But Bendis is oh yeah no no, no I, saw had... <laughs> I saw that saw that with Superman. Yeah, 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 they had like all these ads that said Bendis is coming, and I I know it was supposed to be like a. Uh, supposed to be like an homage to jack kirby when he made the jump to dc to make dark side and all the new world stuff but like it came off kind of weird bendis is coming like I <laughs> <laughs> bendis is coming oh my gosh no you know what you know another cool person on this was nick darrington and i love nick darrington's work on this Oh, my fucking God. See, okay, here's... I, I like some of Nick Darrington's stuff, but then there's some other panels where it, it just gives kind of the illusion. Like, depending on where we're putting... I don't know how you would really describe, like, the framework of a, of a panel. Would you still call it, like, a camera view, or what do you describe that view as, or that perspective, when you're looking through a comics panels? However you describe it. Mm-hmm. There are certain times when we're in particular panels where characters are at like a certain angle, and sometimes the faces kind of just look like little scribbles of a face to give like the the look of one, you know. Like it's miss- like sometimes characters are missing a lot of like deeper facial features, and there's certain times with that like I'm not really into. But I also get just from like the illustration work that there were some like restrictions to it, regardless. I will say in its favor, it does create a remarkable style that I think in the very end of the day nails the tone that this comic has and the vibe that these characters like manifest. It kind of ties back into another thing that I have on Michael Bendis. And it was when he was talking about making Batman universe and that he was actually scared to do the comic because 
he's not he's not worked on this kind of character as Batman. He was scared to work on it. But one thing that he had noticed amongst all of the writers is that all of the same characters are the Batman in the end of the day. It's not like and he he made Spider-Man as an example. It's not just like there's Spider-Man. There's all these different types of Spider-Mans and it's been changed around a lot. And there's like amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, ultimate Spider-Man. Later on, we get, you know, like superior Spider-Man. You know, it's never really he never really stays into the same principles as, say, how Batman never really changes very much as a character from story to story. And that's something that had a fundamental principle that for Michael Bendis to work off of and to better understand the character and made it a bit easier for him to kind of conquer, you know, because mm -hmm. as long as you get these fundamentals down, no one can really be upset with your Batman material. And you know what? That's I would say that that's kind of fair. If you can meet this, there's a, a certain type of requirements that it's needed for Batman when you adapt him, whether it's a new comic run, whether it's any other type of media like a movie or a video game, whatever. I even know there's like just narrative uh, all written word books. I don't know. Uh, novels and, and stuff. He even oh has a goodness. radio show and a couple of podcasts. Radio show. And and it's it's all tying into just the same character. Now that doesn't mean it's the same character every single time. Say like we're watching the same one. Like going it's ticking all the boxes for the time. character, right? But it matches everything that's needed to make every Batman fan, at the very least, satisfied enough to give this at least a good or bad stamp of approval. You know, like you. even for me, who was not a big fan of uh, Ben Affleck as the role of Batman when done right at certain points in his films with Zack Snyder, they were able to nail certain points as to what made that character more specifically crying, trying to have him appear in this more intimidating reflection, you know, that is something for criminals to be scared of, which I don't think the story nails very much, but they try to present him as that and the action. Mm -hmm. and it's enough to cause enough people to have their own conversations with you know and the same thing can be made for any of the other different movies and comics and stuff um which you can't say for spider-man which every type of bit of spider-man media goes through the same type of magnifying glass to kind of further from michael bendis's uh brian statement or, or example brian michael bendis i'm yeah look at the three first names well no two first names and the last name see it, but personally I have a hard time trusting people with two first names, and he has two first names. Bitch, I got three first names, but we're not. What? We're I have three first names. We're not getting into that. We're not going to express my government name, name all across the airwaves, but no, no, no. <laughs> but you know what? Let's get into this summary real quick. Batman is pushed yeah. to his limits as he sets off in search of an item with an incredible destructive power and embarks on a journey across the DC universe. It's a race to finish to the finish line as Batman chases the Riddler from Gotham to Gorilla City and beyond. With the fate of humanity in the balance, oh, I, I literally just butchered that. Anyways, it's a big, big, big story, and we have guest stars including Vandal Savage, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Deathstroke, Jonah Hex, and a lot more. And, you know, I know we touched on our initial thoughts on this book, but this book was fucking bat shit crazy no pun intended i fucking love this book <laughs> and uh it was all over the place and honestly made me feel like i was a kid watching justice league all over again or watching batman the brave and the bold and like you were saying earlier yeah. jay it feels like um this is a book i would could trust just giving a random person uh if they wanted a cool batman story but they also wanted like you know to learn a little bit about the dc universe this is like this is my type of story. This is like my jam. I really dig this. And I feel like this book kind of ticked off all the boxes of what DC wanted to do with their little Walmart collaboration. They wanted like to give it to kids, but but um, to kids who may not even be comic book fans. This could be their bit like their first comic or thing they're like picking up. And by the time they're done with this, they'll have a good understanding of who's that, who's that, who's that kind of similar to like, you know, Justice League. Batman the Brave and the Bold, all that type of stuff. And that's honestly, those type of shows were the reason as to why I fell in love with comics. And this really invokes those type of vibes. Like, I can honestly tell 
that Bendis, when, before doing this book, he was like, yeah, let me just go ahead and watch a couple of different things. Because I could kind of feel where he was pulling from. And I don't know. I love the book. I got to say, I got like three things that like really got me when I first um, when I okay. read this. Alfred stole the fucking show. Alfred stole the damn yeah. show. He's snarky as fuck, and it's fucking hilarious. Uh, love the snappy dialogue. Love the fast pace. I literally sat here and read this within an hour and a half, maybe not yet. Yeah, like it was really fast, and I just love the yeah. Art. Now, soups. Uh, this is just like a six issue story, wasn't it? Yeah, six, maybe seven. I can't even remember. I I was reading it from two trade paperbacks that put the stories together, so I just had two books. Yeah, and yeah, I was kind of nervous. Admittedly, I told Damon this. But I was nervous for us to do like a full run onto the show because we've just done particular issues, couple origin things, you know, an episode or two based on like animated things. We've not done a full arc, but this really is weirdly enough, fast paced enough that has enough going on in the story, but can still be cohesive. And yeah, you could finish it up within a couple hours. If you're really just sitting there and admiring the art, you would get done still within like an hour and a half. Which, exactly. Like it, it's fantastic, you know, for a full arc to have that kind of uh, ability to pick it up and not want to put it down either. And that's something that the story also does a fantastic job. And even with that, you have to keep in mind that this is also with a huge cast of characters. Like how Damon was saying, we see the Riddler, we see. Deathstroke. At one point, we're we're running into Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Guys, guys, we go back to Dinosaur Island. We run back into Magneto and Professor X. They're there. At the Savage Land. Everyone's yeah. here. On Savage Land. We see uh it's not Gorilla Grodd. What is that what is that character's name? Is it uh, Grodd? No, it's not Grodd. They they make a point okay. and, and tell you it's not Grodd in the book. Right. And you know, um, it's funny you brought up the Savage Land versus Dinosaur Island thing. I literally, when I was reading this, I was laughing out loud because I'm like, you know, I just know Jay is going to fucking mention that. And it's wild because, like, yeah, Dinosaur Island is a thing that's in the DC comics, and I honestly forgot about it. Uh, it's because it's like, it's one of those things that people don't really use that often. And whereas the Savage Land, the X Men are there all the fucking time in the comics. So you mean to tell me just on the norm, day by day, when all these other events are happening within the DC universe, there is just a little speck of land just somewhere off the coast of wherever, and it just has dinosaurs just chilling there? Like, this is actually just like a place place? Yes. It is a place place. Oh! I got to learn how to speed up on this soundboard. I got to have it like on deck. Yeah. No, actually, it's not going to be you. It's going to be Daenerys, remember? (laughs) 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 Okay, but, you know, I got to say, I just loved this damn book. Uh, You know, Jay, my question for you, though, is like, what were a couple of favorite moments that really stuck out for you? Oh, dude, I... The one thing that really stuck out that I was not prepared for was when we ran into Jonah Hex. Yeah. Now, Soups, the whole central point of this story is that Batman's trying to get this Fabergé egg. And the Riddler has taken it. We don't know why. Batman's trying to get it. And we learn through the story that it used to belong to Jonah Hex. So runs into his great-great-granddaughter and asks about it and we never come back to her which kind of bothered me that That was was weird that was such a plot hole especially when she like went down uh looked in the box because she was curious and she saw a picture of like jonah hex with batman but like she didn't call him nothing i feel like a lot of this could have been avoided if she would have just been like oh batman gave me a way to contact him let me call him and let him know hey i found something Right. I I felt as though we were going to go down more of that road, see more into Hex's family, which is still kind of like out there. You know, I never really think Batman and Jonah Hex 
I really did not expect Jonah Hex to be brought up a topic of uh, conversation. Well, 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 if you watched Justice League, you'd know, you'd see it. You you would have been there when they had an episode where Batman went in the past and met Jonah Hex. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that that's like been a team up. That's but but, been, but you know what? You know done. what, Jay? You know what, Jay? We don't got time mm. to focus on Jonah Hex because we're trying what? to sell Walmart books. Remember? You're you're trying to what? Sell Walmart books. Damon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really thought we were gonna go down somewhere more around that route. I thought I, I really thought the story was gonna go all different types of turns. But when we yeah. ended up with Batman and Green Lantern in the old west and meeting Jonah Hex, because this Fabergé egg can take people through anywhere part of space and time. Mm-hmm. So they just end up like like running right into him in the story and i thought that was crazy that was a notable part to me the figuring out oh should we say right now what the Fabergé egg is honestly yeah let's go for it because this episode is more of a discussion anyways we found out it was like an ancient green lantern like a the first green lantern ring and you know i this book really just it, it it threw you in so many different areas there were so many different turns like i I already kind of knew a little bit about what was going on in this book, but like I forgot a lot of it and I couldn't even predict what was going to happen next. It was like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. And I know in some cases that type of writing. Oh, oh, Daenerys got a lot to say in the background. Daenerys, uh, what do you think would be a fantastic sound effect to use in this moment? All right, there she goes. But, you know, it's just so many different just twists and turns. And the comedy really had me. I think the my favorite moments would have to be the comedy. Like, my fa- one of my favorite moments is that Batman finds himself on Thanagar. And the Thanagarians are questioning him, asking him so many questions. And he's explaining that, like, you know, I'm Batman. I'm friends with Carter Hall, Hawkman. I'm friends with Hawk Girl, And, you know, da-da-da-da, I'm on the Justice League. You guys probably heard of me because they probably told you. And then the Hawk Hawk people or the Thanagarians are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, we'll we, we, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. And then he's there for like some time passes, and then they're like, oh, you're Batman, okay, yeah, <laughs> what? And then you know my other favorite moment was probably when um they were gonna they're telling him, okay, we're gonna probably you know we're gonna get you get you back home, uh, we gotta go over to you know the place that's across the area, and Batman tells them, wait, he's like, uh. I can't fly. And they're like, what? You have wings? And he's like, it's a cape. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And then they're like, what What are you, like a size eight? And he's like, uh, an eight? Next thing you know, they made him some freaking cool ass bat wings with, yeah, the, with the damn yeah. logo on it. Okay. Did they just have that sitting around or were, did they just instantly make that that fast? Like, what's going on? I know it was a little like what if they had it like ready made they're like oh True. maybe at some point Batman could show up or maybe, maybe for the Justice League who knows maybe because I do know who the Justice League is so maybe that's it I don't know can you believe that in the same story we also go to Amsterdam yeah we go to Amsterdam <laughs> we go to a lot of damn different places and then you know um it's just the little moments too when Batman's on Gorilla City Batman is like talking to Alfred and Alfred is saying like you know, you really shouldn't be doing this because, you know, you kind of did disrespect the uh, the king and Batman's like, he was just sensitive. It's not that big of a deal. And then Alfred's like, do you think your shielding is going to work for, against the telepathic uh, gorillas? And he's like, yeah, it has to work. It's going to probably work. Next thing you know, Batman gets caught instantly. And then uh, one of the gorillas is like, um, yeah, we can read your thoughts through that. It doesn't work. Uh, king Namoy is ah. his name. I okay. Found I found it in my notes here. Uh, there is King Namoy, but there is also Gorilla Grodd, and they both have their own little thing going on. And this also isn't the only Gorilla City yes. in the DC universe. Uh, man, you know, now that you bring this up being a Walmart book, it kind of is starting to better hit me as to why we're kind of going around to all these different parts of like the dc globe as well i guess because it does give us an entry point into something even more than just batman 
-hmm. like a lot of points up until I think I would say the the second half of the story, it doesn't necessarily feel just entirely like a, a Batman book. Batman doesn't really go through anything uh, so much as like a personal change, but we see him going through a lot of and then moments. Yeah, you know what I mean. It feels like a Where Tuesday he, for Batman. <laughs> yeah, which again fits that kind of fun and wacky serialized Batman brave and the bold esque feeling of storytelling meeting all these different characters green arrow green lantern we run in and have a fun interaction with nightwing which nightwing when he comes around he really I, part of me wants to say that he steals the show because i he really does. enjoy his character but there, i also don't feel as though he was given a lot of the best lines there's at certain points that he really does but he, he I really had a really good line though he really did when he when the green lantern showed up and he said that they were um some arrogant space cops yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, down for the cause. All right, Nightwing. Uh, just it's fantastic to see all these characters, but I'm having a better understanding as to why. And I feel as though because of that, it does take a little bit from getting better acquainted with Batman. It doesn't take until about, uh, I would say, when all the events happen in the first half of the book, which I want to highlight too. Again, for the art here, for Darrington's credit. Because what I said a little bit about the faces, I'll give him his credit. There are a couple of times for the story, the beginning specifically, that we're looking specific that we're looking through Batman's point of view, and I really love that moment or those few moments in the panels to have that perspective because it's not one that we get often, and it's kind of funny at certain points because uh, at one point he is going from rooftop to rooftop and he runs into a woman who's out on her balcony and uh, just goes, <laughs> ma'am. And, and, you know, she freaks out a little bit cause it's Batman. And I love those moments. Cause yeah. we, at those points, I feel as though that I have the experience and the vibe of Batman, you know? Uh, but it doesn't get until we get to the second half of the book after we've gotten back from Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill, Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hacks. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my God, Jonah! Just just imagine Jonah Hex sounding like Jonah Hill and just cursing up a damn storm. That's like when Seth Rogen just appears every once in a while in The Boys. Like, what's what's Seth Rogen doing here? Or when he appears in uh, Invincible? Yes, yes, dude. Are you excited for season two? I sure as hell am. I really am. That's I'm gonna be awesome. We're gonna have to talk about that at some point. Invincible. You want to know something really weird about the production of season two? Uh, season two, the animation is going to be a lot more fluid. Um, but the reason why it's going to be a lot more fluid is because they actually hired a couple of people who was doing like animated porn to help with uh, animation. Huh. Well, good for them. All, <laughs> this next work is all work, damn it. Even the <laughs> cartoon con. Oh, gosh. Um, but it doesn't get into the point when our villain what savage vandal savage yeah vandal savage the guy who's trying to find this faberge egg which we learned yeah is the very first green lantern ring which we learn later on at the very end of the story that this thing is a little janky like you know you can tell it, it yeah yeah you can tell that it it was the iphone left behind in the software updates do you know what i'm saying exactly and it causes a lot of issues but this is at one point, when we're with Jonah Hex, Vandal has these ninjas Some in the old west. Ninjas, and he comes to get the Faberge egg, and they have this awesome fight sequence. And then at one point, the Faberge egg, because it's had some sort of weird imprint onto Batman, is trying to protect him, so it keeps teleporting him. And during one of those points, it teleports him back to Crime Alley. Mm, and I feel day. so this is when present day Crime Alley. Yep. So we're back in normal Gotham. No dinosaurs, no cowboy ninjas. And he gets shot by Vandal Savage, saying that he has gone through so much time to wait for this exact moment, which for Batman was just a teleportation away, which as a storyline... It's kind of like crazy. It feels so out there. It feels like a James Gunn movie of a premise. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just so wacky to think of these kind of like 
story beats. And when he shoots him in Crime Alley, from that point onward in the story, that's when it starts to really feel like the core Batman story. And up until that point, the first half of the book where we see Jonah Hex, that's also when we run into Green Arrow, who has a really fun few moments with Batman. And I wish he was Riddler. in the book more. I really do. Wish yeah, me I wish too. Green Arrow was in there more. But because, like, I like the fact that Bendis really writes Batman in a way that I think some some writers kind of forget about. Uh, or, or even like, I don't know, maybe it, it, you can even argue that the movies kind of don't do this either, but like, mm. yeah, Batman is like a really, really mentally traumatized person, but he still is like a person. And there's moments where yeah. Batman does have some type of levity and jokes. Uh, that, I think that's why I love Batman, the animated series, cause they still do that type of shit in there. Uh, but, and even in the comics, Batman still makes some type of jokes, but like, I don't know. I liked Bendis's portrayal of Batman and I liked his interactions with the members of the Justice League. Because like I always like always stand by this. The Avengers are coworkers. I wouldn't really say they have a family dynamic in the comics or you know some of them do depending. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Justice League, they feel like they're all friends. And this book kind of like plays with that, especially with uh Batman's interaction with Green Arrow or even Green Lantern, especially like when Green Lantern and Batman are going to the Dinosaur Island. And then Batman is just like, you know, I love dinosaurs. And Green Lantern's like, oh? He's like, oh, yeah, dude. They have a whole conversation about it. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, I, I got a dinosaur in my cave. And Green Lantern's oh. like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes That's sense. That's why he got that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or then, And then later on, like, Batman is just being really, like, serious like he usually is. And then halfway through the conversation, Green Lantern's like, you know, you never came to my house. <laughs> and Batman's like, wait, are you, are you, are, am I invited or like, what's going on here? Are you trying to like say your house is nicer than my house? What's up? What's up? And then Green Lantern's like, you know, nicer than your house. You live at stately Wayne, Wayne Manor. How, no, how could he my... be nicer? <laughs> exactly. Like just those type of conversations. I like when there's like some levity within superheroes and they can have those type of conversations. I think that's why I love the Fantastic Four so much, especially when they interact with Spider-Man or any other type of heroes. Cause you see those type of moments or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a couple in here that are kind of like come and go, which kind of suck because there's at one point where it's we get a note from Superman or is that no, turned out to be Vandal? Note. It was a fake note. Okay, yeah, was I was going to say because Superman never really shows up again, but that makes sense. That he, it was he's Vandal. there in like a hologram. Um, that's it. He's not even in the book. I'm surprised by that. Cyborg shows up for like a cup of coffee. Yeah. And then we don't really see him much afterward, but... But he made, he made an impact. He made an impact. He was funny. No, he did. The reason for it is because the the ring, when it's in its egg, it's causing a lot of like, it's causing a lot of strange radiation to come off of it, and it's affecting people's brains, making them. So stupid. even the the Riddler's even like puzzled. And that's and a smart like, way to get out of Why can't I? Uh, why can't I talk no good or something? <laughs> <laughs> That is a smart way to get out of writing a character if I ever did see one. Like, honestly, that was smart as fuck. Also a fantastic way to twist it and not make it into a Riddler story, too. So you go in expecting it to be a mainline character, and then when it becomes Vandal Savage, uh, which I don't know anything about Vandal Savage, but he is our main antagonist here. Um it, it kind of gets a bit more interesting, especially for those who don't know him, because it segues in between them pretty well. And with the introduction of all these other characters coming in, you can believe that there's other villains that are uh, at play here. Because Deathstroke, a fa- another great example here. He shows up in Amsterdam and is looking for the Riddler, which they have relationship. But for Deathstroke, it's about money. the money, you know, mm-hmm. so he's hired by vandal savage he's hired i think again at some point later on but oh no is hired to protect riddler and then is hired later on by vandal so it and then hired it by becomes Bruce believable Wayne. yes so it Which becomes that was believable that these characters all like exist outside of gotham as well as well as believe that there's a lot of different things going on just outside of batman's story which makes it also understandable when these characters come and go and you don't feel like you have to get super attached to them because it's not much their story either. It does find its way to connect back to Batman. And I think in the second half here too, 
when Nightwing becomes the uh how do how do I want to say his partner again that uh, into was the amazing. second half of the story. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was a really smart idea as mm-hmm. well after having all these other characters to get back into it being said a Batman story and and connecting into it being him as the main character that goes to that that change you know what i mean it allows us to still grip to him as an audience it like tied the it tied the story up in a nice little bow and you know honestly i got two things i want to say on that like for example i loved i really am gushing over this damn art like I, the my favorite panels was the two splash page where you've seen nightwing and batman they get to the submarine to have their final battle and they like the splash page basically the way that um nick darrington draws it it's a huge splash page and he demonstrates the action by having multiple versions of batman and nightwing go along but like it follows a line and it's easy for you to like really see it and you can kind of like see all the movement and action going in fantastic way of crafting those action scenes i loved it and I liked how Bendis was able to really capture the chemistry between Nightwing and Batman because it's like, you know, Nightwing is his first son, basically. And just, I love seeing them work together that way. And, uh, damn, I really liked this book. I liked this book a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my question for you is, like, of all of the characters in this book, who is your favorite guest star? I really... I really enjoyed getting to see moments between Hal Jordan and Batman. I really enjoyed that because I'm not a huge Green Lantern fan, so I don't really seek out a whole lot of his stuff, even before, you know, like the Ryan Reynolds movie and everything, because I, I haven't even seen that film. The only bit of Green Lantern media that I've consumed has been the Cartoon Network series. I never watched it. I heard it was really good, though. And then I've seen a couple different pieces of him in like Justice League stuff. And so I know that he has like a really a fun ish relationship with Batman, at least how I know it from the animated universe that they were doing when they were trying to get all those characters together uh, for like their own animated franchise and stuff. And they just recently rebooted it a few years ago, whatever. Uh, but g- being able to see that highlighted in this story was really cool especially near the end even though he doesn't show up at the end but all the different lanterns that show up and it reminds me just how big the grand scope of just the lantern core is all these different lanterns that exist besides john stewart besides hal jordan besides all these other characters that are like really the main cast that you would know as like an average comic enthusiast or anyone who knows about superheroes so i enjoyed that uh i guess as close second though would be savage which okay. i gotta ask you damon before i ask your favorite i have to know especially the soups at home i'm sure are also dying to know who don't know who mongo savage is who is mongo savage do you, you have mean a vandal savage i keep saying yeah vandal savage yeah uh vandal savage um I first realized that Vandal Savage was was because of the Justice League series and his other appearances and just different DC stuff. And he's a really cool-ass character. Uh, Vandal Savage was a Neanderthal. Like, he was a caveman. And uh, there was a huge meteorite that crash-landed onto Earth. And the meteorite was something that was alien, but it was warm. And he ended up falling asleep right next to it. The radiation from that caused him to be smarter than the average caveman. And he basically like murdered his brethren, but it kind of caught, it also caused him to have like a little bit more strength and also be like in, invulnerable and invincible. He cannot die um, at all. There's like nothing to really do it. He can't die at all. If he does die, he comes back to life and he just, he's immortal for all intents and sense of purposes. But he has this one drive of wanting to be the conqueror of everything. So, yeah, that's that basically That is story. insane. Yeah. Now, how do you stop a character like that in the grand scheme of things? I guess here with Batman, he is able to defeat him. In, um, but it's not as if... I was going to say, in, uh, like for example, Justice League, there was a really cool story where Superman died. That Everyone thought that he died in, in that episode of Justice League. But in actuality, he was teleported into the future. 
And the only person that was left was Vandal Savage. And all of society and humanity was destroyed. Basically, he was successful in conquering the world, but he killed everybody. And so Superman is there. He doesn't have any powers because there's a uh, red sun. And uh, him and Vandal Savage actually become not they don't become friends, but it's more like Vandal Savage basically realizes that, like, life is boring without people. I would imagine that's kind of a very depressing story when you think of it, too, that he was around for the very birth of man and we'll see it long cease to exist. Very depressing story of a villain Uh, in this, you know. I liked how they they handled it. We got went back to to Jonah Hex, um, but I was curious just in, in the end how you really handle a character like that. And to get back to the question though, who what was one of your favorite character moments or highlights that you enjoyed in the comic? I got two, but I want to say something real quick just because you mentioned the Green Lanterns. Jay, did you know that there was a Green Lantern that Batman punched the fuck out so hard? That he like got was unconscious. Uh, was it Hal Jordan? No, it was Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner was like one of the Green Lanterns that everybody in continuity out out of continuity. He was kind of an asshole. Basically, he was talking some shit and kind of like even threatened to try to beat up Batman. And Batman just didn't say anything and he just one punched him. <laughs> and everybody in the Justice League was like, "Oh fucking thank God." So he's just a prick of a of a character. Yeah, he's kind of a prick, but uh, he's he's kind of likable in some areas. But for the most part, he's a prick. Who do you think would be the better the better couple of hours to spend a date with? Then this Green Lantern or the irredeemable Ant Man? I would say Guy Gardner, because like at least uh, Eric O'Grady is skeevy and just gross. Mm. Uh, whereas at least Guy Gardner, he can be an asshole, but I don't think he's skeevy. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But, Actually, does tell me a bit of the character. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I would say this though. I would say the standout characters in this. I would say Green Arrow. I wish he was in there longer. Uh, and I would also even say Alfred. Like I said, he stole the fucking show. And you know, it's leaving me with my next question, Jay. How would you rate this episode? out of five or like the like our like the comic here yep sorry right the comic yeah you're good um, uh actually Jay, hold five? on one second hold on one second okay connecting the charger because my laptop's gonna die oh well here one more thing i want to point out then before the the ranking system uh that Savage and Batman also have a incredible sequence between each other where they fight into different places in time. Oh, God. I can't believe we didn't mention that. And that shit was epic. That was incredible. After these moments, too, where Batman, after he's put on this first this first ever made Green Lantern ring, he gets stuck in, like, the void that Squidward gets lost in in, like, the time travel episode where there's, like, nothing around. Like oh, Batman God. just shows up in there and we meet some weird computer alien that does not understand that it's like broken and Savage wins too at one point of this. He wins. Yeah, he does. He basically Batman, wishes Batman out of existence. And that's why he hires Deathstroke because Batman in this world just never became Batman. And Alfred has a lot of great moments in there too talking about that that revenge that Bruce has and even how Bruce doesn't understand it they don't know if it's with his parents or you know whatever and it's those moments that I really did find the most enjoyable which ties into why I'm going to give the score what I'm going to because even when we had these enjoyable moments with characters that are just within the universe the ones that had really great personal relationships and dynamics were the moments with Nightwing and most importantly with Alfred Alfred really did stand out in particular in this episode or in this issue. And, and that's the some of the stuff in Batman's history that I enjoy when we do get to have these type of moments with Alfred. 
the Arkham series does a great job with that too. In Arkham City and Arkham Origins, you you have a lot of great moments with Alfred and Batman talking amongst you know the different adventures that they're going through, amongst other different Batman stories. A couple of them we've even talked about already on the show, and are already planning to in the future. Um, just moments like that. It, it really gives. First off, the fact that Michael Bendis really did care and put a lot of work into it and give something that new readers and people who are core fans of this stuff already something to enjoy with it, which is why I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. Really? Four and a half? Four and a half. Okay. Okay. Honestly, I would give it a five. Um, Loved Alfred in this story. I just got to add one more thing. Alfred... Once he came back into the, once uh, Bruce came back into present day and was in Crime Alley, Alfred pulled up in a car and he had a Kato mask, like a little domino mask with his little, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with his little chauffeur outfit. And I was like, okay, you know what, Alfred, you're dedicated. Even though you may not agree with what Bruce is doing, which he makes very vocal in this. Honestly, he, he said some really scathing shit to Bruce throughout the entire story. And a lot of it was just very messy and hilarious. And I, you know, what? I live for that type of shit. So Alfred stole the show, uh, snappy dialogue. It was a really fun ride. It made me feel like I was watching an episode of Justice League or Batman the Brave and the Bold. It kind of made me feel like a kid again. And, and I really loved that. And this is why I read comics. Um, not Well, not just that, but like still, it was fun. So I'm going to give it a five. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough score. Only reason why I'm not giving it a full five is just because there was certain characters that I feel as though we didn't get enough time to really flesh out due to the type of story that was here. Mm -hmm. Jonah Hex specifically, he has a, a big role in the comic, but also so little to yeah. do. Uh, but I agree. Everything with what you said there, it really does feel like something that we used to watch and enjoy when we were kids, with, whether it was Batman and Justice League and, Bendis did a really great job putting that here. Darrington did a really great job doing it here. For those at home, really do recommend giving this a read. Watch, read the whole story because it is worth cover to cover. Yeah, one hundred percent. Go out, go get this, and let us know your thoughts on it. And before we leave, Jay, I got one more question for you. What's up? Are you going to watch some Justice League? Because Soups, Jay hasn't watched Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. But she um, loves Batman the Animated Series, and they're all connected, so you should watch it. I'll give I'll give Justice League a shot this week. I have, I have a lot of time off this week, weirdly enough. I have, I have too much time off this particular week. So I'll give I'll give Justice League a shot. Okay, okay. I will give I will give my review of the first at least the first two episodes by next Saturday. Oh, you know what? We've also made it to the end of the episode. There was a second fact that you had that you felt was worth us waiting for. Do you remember that fact? Damon, you have to remember that fact. I don't <laughs> Damon! Oh Do you have it written down? You thought it... You, Damon! Well, oh, okay, you know what? I remember it. I remember it. I remember it. I remember Guys! Yep, I remember. Okay, so... Tom King was in the midst of writing for Batman and the marriage slash wedding of Catwoman and Batman was supposedly supposed to commence at the time of this book coming out. Oh my God. That's it. That's now correct me if I'm wrong though, fact. Soups. I could be wrong. I don't think I got the dates wrong on that. So you know what? That, I think we're good. <laughs> that's the spicy fact that we are only 70% accurately confirming editor Is jay will right? hop in editor jay will hop in hey editor jay's back third time in a row for one episode what's happening am i right uh so as i've been looking through the batman and catwoman run started around 2017 with batman number 25 and was continued on after that into The Wedding, which we know comes out in 2018. The first issue of Batman Universe comes out in 2019, so there is a chance that both of these were being made around the same time, of like, development-wise. But 
I cannot confirm or deny Damon's claim that this was in the process as Batman Universe was coming, or at least in the talk of it, because it came out before Batman Universe. Anyway, this was forever. Back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) But go out, go get Batman Universe, and let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you feel as though that this Batman Universe miniseries... Will it hold up? Is it something you guys will 100% go back on? I know I will, and I'm pretty sure Jay will. Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Batman. And I'm Hayward. You can also follow Damon and I on our at Damon underscore 1003 and at J the movie gal. Yeah, the Daenerys gal. really is just going and don't go into town with that soundboard. Anyways, <laughs> see you next Saturday, Soups. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com.